Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I'm your host, Linda Stevens-Jones, a certified Christian life coach, and it is my pleasure to welcome each of you who joined us today. A special welcome to all of you who are listening for the first time today. The intent of this broadcast is to provide an hour of hope and encouragement to the audience through thought-provoking topics, coaching tips, and inspiring guest interviews. We've all had a time when we felt lonely or like we're not understood. Well, this broadcast is a place where you can feel you belong and you are accepted just the way you are without any judgment whatsoever. So I certainly hope you'll want to become a regular listener on the first and third Tuesdays of every month at 12 noon Eastern. You'll see the show contact info on the slide on the screen so you can get further info on upcoming guests and just stay informed. And for all of you who are listening to this show on replay or as an iTunes download, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. There is still great buzz from the last broadcast on January 21st when my guest was Chaplain Dr. Barry C. Black, the Chaplain of the United States Senate. We talked about leading by example. And if you missed it, let me just say, if you go to that link and listen, I'm certain you will be uplifted and inspired. Let me quickly note, as some of you have asked, Chaplain Black's next book signing for his new book, Nothing to Fear, will be on February 18th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Barnes & Noble on Bethesda Avenue in Bethesda, Maryland. That's February 18th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Barnes & Noble on Bethesda Avenue in Bethesda, Maryland. He's also doing another signing that same afternoon at the Living Well Center on Cherry Hill Road in Silver Spring, Maryland, from 2 to 4 p.m. The Living Well Center on Cherry Hill Road in Silver Spring, Maryland, from 2 to 4 p.m. Many of the listeners to that show have shared they ordered on Amazon or went right out and got all three of his books. <laughs> so thank you again to Chaplain Dr. Barry C. Black. And now let me turn to today's topic, prepare and persevere. <clears throat> I offer this topic in homage and in recognition of African American History Month. 
a time set aside each year in our country to celebrate the contributions of African Americans to the building and growing of this nation. The sacrifices, hard work, and ingenuity of those who blazed trails stand as a testament to what can be achieved when you prepare and persevere. I put these two actions together because I think that reflects those contributions poignantly over our nation's history right up to today. Outcomes or impacts are more powerful when every preparation has been made and they become linked to an absolute perseverance to keep moving forward. And think of it conversely. When one is determined to persevere but have not adequately prepared oneself, what happens? Excuse me. The unexpected, the kind of curveballs that life throws can be totally distracting, right? My observation is that an ample supply of preparation without perseverance or perseverance without preparation will allow a person to fall short of reaching their highest potential. So let me make it personal and bring it to the point of you and February 2017 in your life. What can, what can combining preparation and perseverance do for you in your dreams this year? That preparation part may involve education, savings, rehearsal, planning out your action steps month by month or week by week, right? And as you can imagine, there will be some obstacles and challenges along the way to any goals. Are you ready to persevere through any obstacle or challenge that might interfere or knock you off track? In fact, that's the very definition of perseverance, a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Today, whatever your dream is for this year, even your unspoken, huge, audacious dream, I challenge you to combine the power of preparation and perseverance like the inspiring models throughout African American History Month that you'll be seeing. It will make you unstoppable. Unstoppable. So that's my challenge to you. Find the power of preparation and perseverance for any goals that you set for the rest of this year. I'll be eager to hear what you have to say about this topic at the end of the show. But right now, it's time to introduce my special guest, and we'll get his thoughts on this topic as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to have as my special guest Mr. Lawrence E. Clark. 
He is the church administrator for the historic Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. He's on the board of directors of the Farm Pilot Project Coordination Incorporated in Tampa, Florida, and chairs its professional advisory board. Clark is also on the board of the Beta New Educational Foundation in Burke, Virginia, and is an advisor to the Resources First Foundation in Varmouth, Maine. In 2010, the Obama administration tapped Clark to serve two years as an advisor to the administrator of the EPA. In 2009, Mr. Clark retired from a distinguished 42-year career at USDA's National Resources Conservation Service. Clark entered the Senior Executive Service in 1996 at NRCS after holding leadership positions across the United States. He re-engineered conservation technology delivery at the agency by establishing National Technology Support Centers, with one at his undergraduate alma mater, North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro. Mr. Clark holds master's degrees from Harvard University's prestigious JFK School of Government and the University of North Carolina. He has consulted with government officials in China Australia, South Africa, Togo, Nigeria, the Gambia, Gabon, the Congo, and Ghana on natural resource issues through USAID and the Foreign Agricultural Service. Clark's international work includes serving as a delegate to the U.S.-China Agricultural Science and Technology Exchange negotiations in Beijing in 2001. That's a mouthful. <laughs> a U.S. delegate at the Johannesburg World Summit on Sustainable Development, a U.S. representative to the Darwin International Land Care Conference, and he was a speaker at the West Africa Ministerial Conference on Harnessing Science and Technology to Increase Agricultural Productivity in Africa. His numerous awards include a USDA Honors Award, a 2002 inductee to the George Washington Carver Public Service Hall of Fame, and a 2002 Presidential Rank Award recipient for Meritorious Executives. Mr. Clark has served as chair of his church's deacons, and he is a Sunday school teacher. <clears throat> He and his wife, Dorothy, have two grown children. Mr. Clark says that he owes his life's accomplishments to an abundance of unmerited grace and mercy given to him by God and his family, mentors and friends who encouraged and believed in him, even when he sometimes did not. Lawrence, welcome to the Making Inspired Choices radio show. It is such a pleasure to have you as my guest today. Thank you, Linda, and it certainly is a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, as you know, <clears throat> this program is to give encouragement, to inspire, and even challenge listeners to make the kind of choices that move their lives forward. 
I'm certain that what you will share today will help with that purpose greatly. So let's get started. Tell us some about where you grew up and what growing up was like. Well, Linda, thank you. Um, I grew up in a small town in eastern North Carolina. Uh, And when I say small town, not really in the town. I really grew up on my family farm, which is just east of the town of Scotland, North Carolina. It was a a small farm that uh, my grandmother acquired um, in the late 1800s. My father then assumed ownership of the farm, and we worked it during our childhood. I went to a one-room school from um, first grade through sixth grade, uh, so I never knew anything uh, in public education in terms of school environment other than a one-room school. I uh, later went to um, a a fully accommodated school, and that was an eye-opening experience for me because most of us who had uh, attended this one-room school uh, taught each other, basically. There was no way a teacher, one teacher, could teach 40 students. Uh, mm-hmm. We did such tasks as uh, make the fire in the, in the uh, potbelly stove. Uh, even mm-hmm. one of the students served as janitor for the school. So it was a unique experience. I, have, uh, I had five brothers and uh, two sisters in the family, and I'm right in the middle. Um, we grew up, we were very, very competitive, uh, but we always had a lot of role models around us in terms of uh, members of our church, uh, people in the community, and also cousins who were a bit older who also uh, served as role models and mentors for us. Uh, most of us uh, went to college after high school and uh, took on professional uh, jobs in our various professions. Wow. How how long were you in that school, the one-room school, Lawrence? I was there so for six years, so I would have started school in 1955, and I would have mm-hmm. been there till 1961. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, I can imagine the, the difference in a, in, as you yeah. said, a fully accommodated school. Mm-hmm. Um but that's that's very powerful that you had um, so many role models through your church and community and older cousins who um, who were able to be great mentors. <clears throat> With that kind of start and uh, and journey, what are a few of the core values that guide your life today? Well, I think. Uh, Early on, I learned um, that it was important to be a guide or to steer my life around a measure of faith. Uh, We were in Sunday school from the time. In fact, I remember being in Sunday school when I was uh, three years old. And the only way I remember that is my brother, who was four years old, uh, he was a great talker, and and he's a year (laughs) older than I am. And he and I went to Sunday school one Sunday, and I can remember um, he told the teacher that he was four years old, and he said, this is my little brother. He's three years old. <laughs> I remember that incident just as if it was yesterday. So we, we had a 
wonderful time growing up uh, in a church where there were a lot of loving people and people who really cared and shared um, what they could with us. Also, mm-hmm. I think one of my core values I learned to <clears throat> uh, appreciate was excellence. Um, and anything you do, I think your goal should be to do it as well as possible. And as my mm-hmm. father would say, if you can't give it your best, you know, don't give it anything at all. Do something else. Mm-hmm. I think honesty is critically important as a core value. Core value. Mm-hmm. Um, in most situations, you know, we uh, build our relationships on our word, and your word mm-hmm. is your bond. And I learned that at a very early age. Uh, being trustworthy and dependable. Uh, when you uh, commit to doing something, it is critically important not only to others that you um, carry through uh, with that commitment, but uh, mm-hmm. it's also important to yourself that you do follow through on those things that you have uh, agreed to do for others. Mm-hmm. I think the final one I learned to appreciate later on was innovation as a core value. Uh, the word is a dynamic, changing place, and um, too many times we find ourselves uh, standing still, uh, thinking about how it used to be in the old days, and the mm-hmm. old days will probably never come again. We will uh, see huge shifts in ways of thinking, uh, changes in how things are done, uh, in terms of uh, the work that we're involved in, uh, the lives that we live, the people that we engage with. And I mm. think the the uh, thing that brought that home to me most was watching our children grow up, um, how we tried to teach them how we did things. And they would figure out a way to do it. Most of the time that was, uh, if not better, uh, certainly a way that worked for them. And uh, mm-hmm. they they taught us about innovation, yes. Hmm. I love that innovation as a core value, um, you know, to embrace it mm-hmm. as a part of who you are. Um, yes. I know that sets uh, quite an example for other family members, for grandchildren in the future, everything, when innovation is just a part of um, how you live and who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it really said. puts you. Mm-hmm, it puts you in a. Uh, I think in a position where, um, as you have to be flexible and uh, subscribe to new approaches, uh, mm-hmm. innovators can uh, move ahead and not get bogged down. You know, in the mm-hmm. in the in the status quo. And I think that's mm-hmm. what appreciating that value does for you. And. It certainly makes life easier too, doesn't it, when you are when you have that flexibility and agility versus the time you spend on wishing things were the way they've always been. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I raise my hand as having been guilty of that sometimes, but I find when I do embrace change and innovation, life can be easier. It's yeah. your hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I know you you recently retired. Is that right? Mm-hmm. From USDA. Yes, mm-hmm. and and my bio is a little misleading um, 
the one that I sent you. I, I really retired from the church administrator job too in November. So I, see. I uh, yes. I so I tell my um I tell my colleagues that I, I retired twice and the second <laughs> time I retired was because I flunked retirement the first time from USDA. <laughs> but this time I think I have it right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you are uh, a double retiree. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wanted to ask you to just reflect a bit over your work life and just share um, a couple of your fondest memories mm-hmm. um, well, I, from both yeah. or either <laughs> career. Mm-hmm. Okay, be happy to. I think the um, the memory that I, I cherish most about my work life, uh, the 42 years I spent at USDA and the six years I spent at the church, uh, was first and foremost about the people, uh, the people mm-hmm. that um, that I work with and work for. Um, mm-hmm. People, I learned that people, and I learned to appreciate that people are how things get done in the workplace. Uh, we're not machines. We're not robots. Uh, we do things mm-hmm. through interactions, uh, decision-making, planning, strategizing, and so forth. So I, I think the, the memory of the people uh, was one of the things that I missed most when I left the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. I have, um, I've never had what I would consider a bad boss, uh, one that I couldn't, you know, get along with. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was, I think, uh, really a, a fortunate situation for me uh, because mm-hmm. of having worked in so many different locations. I think one of the other memories I have and I, I miss and I do it as much as possible is uh, the traveling, um, traveling the globe, uh, finding myself in places where, you know, I wonder sometimes uh, how did I get here? And I think the workplace presented and gave me opportunities to just see a place of the world that, um, you know, many of us will will never, never get to see on our own. Mm-hmm. The, yes, I think I, the, mm-hmm, Go ahead. I was just going to say, yes, your travels have been to every corner of the world. Yes. That's phenomenal. Yes, yes. And it go was, ahead. What um, were you going to share? It was... It was related to work, number one, but I think the the other aspect of it was um, I I bought I brought something uh, to the table uh, that mm-hmm. various organizations I work with uh, valued, uh, whether it was my core values or my expertise in my profession. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the memories are just enormous. I think the one that I probably treasure most, though, was the one that you mentioned at the um, in my bio, that has to do with uh, establishing a technology support center at my alma mater. Um, oh. 1890 wow. historically black colleges are uh, really fond of me, and uh, I have tried to do throughout all my career um, as much as I could to enhance and support capacity building at those institutions. And mm. they are a great source of intellectual capital uh, here in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think um, all that um, 
that we can do to support them is uh, is is critically important. That is quite a um, it's quite a legacy that you leave to have established that um, that center at your alma mater. That must that must be a, a tremendously fine memory. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask. How has your life been influenced or changed by your travels to so many different parts of the world? I I I laugh at that because I always thought of myself, um, if you would have asked me this question uh, prior to 1990, um, I was pretty much influenced and shaped by a pretty much uh, U.S. bound um, uh, set of values and interests, mm-hmm. uh, but when one travels internationally, first of all, um, I think you have to be able to sort of go into an out-of-body experience. You have to take yourself out of your comfort zone, out of the places mm-hmm. uh, where you know and and places where you. Uh, are aware that you can function most effectively and take some mm-hmm. risk and go into places where outcomes uh, uh, probably are not well known. Uh, my first travel internationally to work on a project, uh, for example, was to Gambia, a um, small country in East and West Africa. And um, I had grown accustomed to uh, working in teams and mm-hmm. accomplishing projects with teams. And when I learned that I was the team that was going to tackle this project, I almost changed <laughs> my mind about going. Uh, but I I persevered. I said, you know, uh, someone feels that you have the background and the um, experience needed to uh, take on this project, and we want mm-hmm. you to do it, so you ought to give it your best shot. And I did. Um, I found myself uh, there in the Gambia for 12 weeks um, and not having um, phones sometimes, no electricity sometimes, no hot water sometimes, but working with a committed um, group of uh, Gambian professionals who didn't Mm -hmm. know uh, what the task was about, but certainly... um, wanted to support my efforts to help them and in doing mm-hmm. so they were helping themselves. And so it was a it turned out to be a fun project, but it changed something in me. And one for one thing, for example, um some of the people on the team who I felt like at the very beginning I could count on the least turned out to be some of the people that I could count on the most. And really? the lesson that I yeah the lesson I learned is that you really can't write people off or you shouldn't write people off too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, not mm-hmm. being judgmental, but certainly uh, give them time to showcase uh, their talents and their abilities, and people will really surprise you. Um, that mm-hmm. was a, a lesson I, I I I captured from that experience. I think other things uh, related to my travel that uh, changed me 
would be uh, my understanding and appreciation of how big the world is, how big the globe is, <laughs> and how uh, diverse uh, people are in terms of how they look at issues. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that surprised me in South Africa, for example, was that I was really uh, dumbfounded by the fact that um, people there have a global uh, global awareness of mm-hmm. politics, of economies, of trade, of, of a host of issues that we mm-hmm. here in this country take so much for granted. Uh, yes, and that that just profound me, you know. Uh, they mm-hmm. could talk about issues that many of us, you know, struggle to just be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the the other thing that changed me about my world travel was the fact that uh, people are people everywhere you go. <laughs> uh, they, I found that they. You know, they want to be respected, appreciated. Uh, mm-hmm. People bring something to the table. Uh, mm-hmm. People like a little stroking and a little recognition uh, mm-hmm. and and to be appreciated. And I think yes. in all the places I travel, even in the China, uh, our host there, uh, we gave him a gift and... Uh, we were the first delegation that he had hosted, and it just astonished him that that we would present him with a gift from America. And you know, mm. prior to that week we spent with him, he had never, you know, never seen us or heard of us before. Yeah, man. You know, I I greatly relate to that um, discovery that people are people everywhere and have the same basic human uh, wants and needs of respect and appreciation to be that they matter, that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they want human interaction and relationships. Uh, they care about their families, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I found that same thing. Um, and your other facet of that global awareness where we we get so much information, we take it for granted, and mm-hmm. people in other parts of the world digest it, uh, recognize the impact of all of the different spheres, trade, politics, culture, etc. Mm-hmm. So I, I greatly relate to um, those observations. Yeah. And I, um, I can share with you, Lynn, I think one thing that comes out of that is... Uh, People who have that perspective of the world and have that view, that world view, uh, can go almost into almost any environment and and mm-hmm. fit in without having it to make a lot of adjustments and accommodations because mm-hmm. of that awareness. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, I found myself, and I, I don't know if I'm typical, but I found myself struggling with trying to figure out, do I try to bend things to fit you know, my history, my background, my personality, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. should I go with the flow and see where this takes me? And um, (laughs) I think the the less resistance I put up to uh, adapting to the changing environments I was in as I traveled, 
it seemed the more mm-hmm. I learned, the more successful I was. Is that right? Good, mm-hmm. good point for our listeners out there. We don't have to, in fact, always stay in our comfort zone and try to make something else the same as what we are accustomed to. We yes. can go with the flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we are celebrating African American History Month in mm-hmm. this month here in the U.S. and in Canada. I'd love to hear um, what or or whom of your learnings about African American contributions to this nation. What of those most inspire you? If there's okay. any mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah. So I think there are several uh, that inspire me. Um, first of all, I, he, he's, he's, he's not, you won't read about him in any book, uh, mm-hmm. but he certainly holds a dear place in my heart in terms of uh, his contributions and his desire and his inspiration. And that is my dad. Um, mm. he, he went to uh, third grade in school. And mm-hmm. but he taught uh, all of his children to read before we went to school, and really? he was a man. Yes, and he was he was what I would characterize as kind of a self-made person. Uh, mm-hmm. We wonder, uh, our brothers and my sisters, how did he learn uh, all the things he did? Uh, for example, when he really influenced us because. Uh, he was a, a hands-on kind of person. He built things. He was a carpenter. He was a mechanic. Uh, but I remember him teaching me fractions as we were building a barn, um, and 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 measuring in inches and quarter inches or eighth inches or sixteenth inches. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how I learned fractions. Uh, so my dad was an inspiration to me in terms of learning about the world and how to survive. I think the second person in terms of, uh, with notoriety, I would say, is uh, George Washington Carver. Uh, Dr. Carver, uh, example of uh, preparation and perseverance is, you know, is off the chart. Um, Mm -hmm. Given, you know, the situations he had to, uh, deal with when he was a student at uh, out in Iowa, uh, mm-hmm. but to go on and make such a, a phenomenal contributions. And the interesting thing that I find about him that inspires me is Dr. Carver's work uh, really uh, was based on finding niches where great needs uh, occurred. Yes. Uh, for example, yes. with his his work on uh, trying to save uh, the cotton plantations of the South by introducing mm-hmm. legumes and changing crop rotations and cover crops. I mean that mm-hmm. for a man who 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 got very little credit at the time, I'm sure for doing that. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say that many of his procedures were not well accepted by other scientists to begin with. But he he is legendary in terms of of his contributions, um, and to go to Tuskegee and look and walk the ground that he walked is is just inspiring. It's something you know you can almost touch it while he's long gone. 
you can almost mm-hmm. touch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I greatly relate to that. I have a great aunt who got to work for Dr. Carver at Tuskegee, and mm-hmm. um, her stories of him uh, brought him to life for me as as a as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have uh, someone else you feel particularly yeah, inspired about? I, yes, I. Um... I, he's he's not an African American, but I consider him my brother, and that's mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela. Um, yes. And I, I cite Nelson Mandela because, um, you know, his journey and his experience and what he accomplished and the patience that he showed to get there uh, mm-hmm. was um, just inspiring to me. Uh, I think few of us could uh, endure what he endured. Uh, yes. While throughout that whole experience, you know, he was developing a strategy uh, to free his people uh, from apartheid. And I just, I just admire his work. I, I think the way he approached it, um, getting done what he wanted to get done in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Could have only been done the way he did it, uh, and and he did it without, you know, major revolutions and violence and so forth. Mm-hmm. And although mm-hmm. there were some, but it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't all-out war between the races right. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his he's the very epitome of perseverance, isn't he? Yeah, he sure is. He sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I wanted to, as I I said to the audience earlier, I chose this topic in homage to those who have helped to shape this very landscape, Um, Mm -hmm. African-Americans who have um, contributed greatly to our humanity, to this nation's development. Um, I believe that you know, if we prepare to the best of our ability, we can walk with a different uh, lightness in our lives mm-hmm. or a different ease and peace, even when we are persevering through great challenges. So mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to give you a chance to say, uh, just to give us your thought about the combination of preparation and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... I I learned when I was very young um, about um, preparation, and I remember um, my influential dad saying to me once, uh, son, you have to uh, prepare, and sometimes you have to prepare in areas where you don't see where it's going to take you. Mm. I, uh, I, I... Since from that, he was telling me to uh, take advantage of opportunities uh, because mm-hmm. down the road, you don't know when that experience uh, will become valuable to you, will become an asset mm-hmm. to you. Uh, so uh, in terms of preparation, I think that's critical. Uh, I think, Linda, most of us uh, go through our life walk and we don't we don't go there or get there based on a well thought out strategic plan or business plan 
uh, that told mm-hmm. us if we do A, we'll get B, and if we do B, we'll get C. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of hit and misses, hits and misses. And so I, I think this idea of preparation uh, for me takes on the message that uh, you have to uh, do uh, what you can and do it well when you do it. Uh, opportunities mm-hmm. that help us mature, opportunities that give us uh, uh, training that we need, uh, opportunities that um, uh, you know make us better people. And the mm-hmm. other thing about preparing, I think, is we shouldn't be afraid of. Or and I had to learn this kind of the hard way. Uh, was sometimes you have to really dive deep when you get into uh, the process of training for something. Uh, too many of us uh, will skim the surface and think mm-hmm. that uh, we've, you know, we've accomplished it. We we're there, but sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, certainly, where you have areas where you have passion, uh, mm-hmm. my encouragement and preparation would be to dive deep and dig out all the uh, the expertise you can, all the knowledge you can, all the know-how mm-hmm. and ability you can, uh, especially around those things that you're passionate about because things that you're passionate about will show up over and over and over again and manifest themselves in ways that you you can't anticipate when you're preparing. I love I'll that. Give you, I'll give you an example Um so in college, I uh, I took statistics, and um, I while I majored in economics, I could see limited use uh, for statistics. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, so when I took it, uh, I, my professor uh, asked me to do a special project with him. And it involved learning about some equations and and running, doing some various um, tests and simulations and so forth. Mm-hmm. But he told me, he said, uh, you know, you need to learn all you can about this because you know you may need to use it one day. And as a junior in college, I could see no way at all that I would use it. Well, um, <laughs> when I got to the workplace. I think I couldn't have been there more than six months. Uh, my supervisor mm-hmm. asked me to run an analysis of variance on a pricing uh, issue we were dealing with. And so I say you, you, you never know when you're going to use this stuff. And mm-hmm. I really liked statistics. Um, I taught it to freshmen, uh, well, really sophomores who were in social sciences during my senior mm-hmm. year. So I did have a, a an aptitude for it. But I just couldn't grasp how I could use it. So dive deep, grab those nuggets that uh, that you have some close kinship towards, because you never know when you'll use them again, and they'll stay with you too. Beautiful, beautiful. To yeah. our audience, I hope you are taking notes because um, I can attest to there are things that when they don't resonate or grab you immediately. It's easy to turn away from it or get distracted and say, "Oh, I won't need that." Um, mm-hmm. And as Lawrence is so beautifully pointing out, um, those are parts of preparing, maybe for some 
uh, greater roles that you'll have where that same expertise will come in very valuable at a later mm-hmm. time. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think what would I you have, say about? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was regarding I was gonna, perseverance. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I think perseverance and patience are probably uh, two of my strongest attributes. Um, mm. I uh, <clears throat> I found myself, for example, uh, when I went to the University of North Carolina, um, in a very different uh, academic setting. Uh, mm-hmm. There. Uh, the support systems and the way things uh, were done in terms of student support and student activities mm-hmm. were very different from my undergraduate experience. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the courses uh, that I uh, was a required course that I uh, take was a course called Quantitative Methods, and it was all about calculus and algebra and so forth. And I I had I struggled with that course. Um mm-hmm. and uh, but I remember uh Dr. Moreau saying to me, he said, uh when you get to the halfway point, uh this will begin to kind of make sense to you. <laughs> and uh I trusted him and so I hung in there. I remember the uh, first test that he gave in that course uh the 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 grades for the course or class for that test i mean were you could score from 0 to 100 and the high score in the mm-hmm. class was 47 wow so we felt like we weren't getting something uh that we should have been getting out of that course or he wasn't teaching it well enough to us but I think what it was is that we were not seeing far enough down the tunnel to mm-hmm. appreciate and use uh, what he was trying to teach us. And so by the time we got, and he was right, by the time we got halfway through the course, uh, things began to come to light and we could see where we were headed in terms of uh-huh. what our learning objectives were for that course. It was an amazing experience. It really was. And I'm not a mathematician, so uh, I was like a fish out of water, but it, it did turn out to be one of the uh, best courses that I took. I you think perseverance. So. Yeah, I think perseverance also, um, uh, from the standpoint of sometimes you just have to hang in there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, pulling up stakes and uh, Taking off or redirecting yourself is not an mm-hmm. option, and uh, mm-hmm. I think when we persevere, I think we will gain great rewards from having done so. It's mm-hmm. it puts us in a learning mode. It puts us in a mode where uh, we can really appreciate and value the experience uh, much more so than if we uh, redirect our interest to something else. I think perseverance, when we do persevere, the sense of accomplishment is really, really uh, the winner. Uh, mm-hmm. the, yeah, what we take away in terms of accomplishment. Yes. 
I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, now, I do want to give you an opportunity to share um, with our listeners because you've, I mean, you've had an amazing, um, you've had both personal and career success that um, I would imagine that people who see you and meet you in this season of life, who hear you as maybe some of our listeners today, who um, hear the kind of opportunities and experiences you've had and impact, they may not see that you have battle scars of living as well, um, but I'd like to give every mm-hmm. guest a chance to just share a time mm-hmm. when they've faced a major personal or professional challenge and, and how you persevered through it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd love if you... Yeah, okay. So, so can I give you, you three quickly, real quick? Sure. Three real quick, okay. So so the first one was in my first professional job. Um, I was uh, working out of Raleigh, North Carolina, traveling to local offices across the state, uh, working on different water resource projects. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, was the first African-American professional in the agency doing that kind of work. And... Mm-hmm. I went to a small county in eastern North Carolina, and when I, and and they may have been calling it hazing, but I was, um, in my state, I saw it as as something entirely different. So as I entered Mm -hmm. the courthouse, um, they, the the people that worked for the agency knew I was coming. They also knew I was Mm -hmm. an African-American. So they pulled this prank on me. Um, they had the sheriff to meet me at the door, uh, to frisk me, and mm. then he used the N-word. And, wow. You know, yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I, I, had, I was prepared for it because I remember uh, watching my father go through and deal with not the exact same situation, but mm-hmm. certainly persevere in having to, um, what I, I would say for him, much more so than myself, almost compromise the standards, you know, mm-hmm. to, to get mm-hmm. along. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. my first experience in perseverance. Um, how do you get through this? How do you not mm-hmm. let it, uh, you know, turn your world upside down, uh, both exactly. psychologically, professionally, and everything? Okay, mm-hmm. so that was my first uh, uh, experience uh, that I'd like to share. The second one was um, in 2010. Um, this is a health issue. I, you know, mm-hmm. thought I was in perfect health. Uh, went to my doctor. He said your PSA is up. Let's go see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you to see your urologist, which he did, mm-hmm. and it ended up I had prostate cancer. Um, mm-hmm. I, none of my brothers had ever had it. My father hadn't had it. No one in my family had. It's, it throws you into kind of one of those why me modes, and you begin to question yeah. uh, mm-hmm. yourself and question, you know, God, you know, why did mm-hmm. you know let this happen to me? And you know, the road has been smooth thus far. And how did I get mm-hmm. here? And uh, I think 
over the years, uh, having anchored myself in my faith and faith, uh, I was able to get through it. And um, I look back and I said, you know, God, you brought me through a lot of stuff. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm expecting you to, to to see me through this, and He did. And I think the, the third thing I would mention is um, when I came to Washington from Ohio, I came in to kind of the the plum job in the agency. It was a sub cabinet level job, and mm-hmm. um, I. I probably thought more more highly of myself, as Paul would say, than I ought. And um, uh-huh. but it was a very prestigious job, and the agencies had a big budget and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. After I'd been in the job two years, the agency head called me in and told me he wanted to move me to another position. And I interpreted his request uh, to be because of a failure or something that I hadn't done. Mm-hmm. He never told me why. Uh, I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, wh- what he asked me to do was, he said, I need you to go over and re-engineer technology. Uh, now, what I perceived thinking uh, more highly of myself, I was in the plum prestigious position in the agency, mm-hmm. I'm dropping three levels to go through this. What could this be about? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what I didn't see was the work that I he was asking me to do in technology. First, I had the skill sets to do it. But secondly, that work was more important to the agency survival and success than the job I was in previously. And because of that wow. work was how I got the Presidential Meritorious Rank Award. And so... Wow. Yeah, so you you find yourself in these situations. You're questioning yourself. You're questioning decisions that you made. You're questioning the way forward, mm-hmm. and uh, somehow God plays tricks on us. And uh, the mm-hmm. things that we think will amount to the least end up being amounting to the most. Mm. Audience. I I bet you can relate to um, some trial or challenge in your life when you're facing it, feeling, what am I going to do or why is this happening to me, as Lawrence said. But it sounds like in each case or each scenario he described, I'm I'm speculating here, but Lawrence, you tell me, Mm. it sounds like each each scenario that you described of dealing with trials on the front side, you're saying, why is this happening to me? But afterwards, you had a quite a growth of your faith mm-hmm. by persevering through them. Yeah, yeah. I think it, you know, the each time I, I learn something, number one, uh, mm-hmm. about myself, and I think that's mm-hmm. critically important. Uh, you should always be learning uh, something for yourself, something that you can uh, value and uh, treasure. The second thing is that uh, I learned to appreciate the fact that, you know, life gives us these opportunities to uh, come into situations where unknowns are ahead. And mm-hmm. most of us 
try to figure out how we're going to deal with it. But one of the things that I think ought to help us move forward is the fact that when we look in the mirror and see all the things that have uh, happened in our past, how God Mm -hmm. has protected us, uh, how God has kept us in favor, uh, how God has shown us uh, new adventures and new experiences, it it ought to give us pause to say that if he did it then he'll do it again you know he'll do mm-hmm. it if he did it in our past he'll do it in our future and mm-hmm. even if he doesn't even if he doesn't then we ought to uh, be bold enough in our faith to know that at the end of the day God still got it he's going to take care of it yes Audience, I hope you can grab a hold of that powerful nugget that Lawrence just shared with us. You know, the sovereign God of the universe is still in control no matter what comes at you. He's still in control. Now, Lawrence, I do want to wanna take a moment to say um, there are people out there listening mm-hmm. who, as you talked about, three different major trials that, that came to mind for you, um, you know, they may not know um, Christ or they may not have a relationship mm-hmm. with Christ in a way that they have this faith to rely on when they're going through mm-hmm. a challenge. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who relates to the challenges but they may not have the relationship with Christ yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I would uh, say that, you know, iron sharpens iron. And we have to f- try to put ourselves in places where uh, we can find support and and, and strengthen others. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that's how Christ will manifest himself. Uh, that's how you'll get to know him. Um, if we if we isolate ourselves and and expect uh, to grow in our um, faith, to grow in our resolve that Christ mm-hmm. is the King, um, mm-hmm. trying to do trying to do it by yourself is tough. Um, mm-hmm. That's why people I think people need to find their way to a a house where they're uh, believers, a uh, house mm-hmm. where people are, are faithful in their living and in their doing. And mm-hmm. I think you build on that. Um, it. I remember teaching high school Sunday school class, and the analogy I, I used for the class was, if you want to keep a fire going in the fireplace, you continue to add logs to it. But Mm. At any time, if a log is burning and you sit it to the side by itself, it will go out, and the fire can't be sustained. So, to sustain what your growth, what a beautiful to, analogy! Yeah, to sustain your faith, to sustain uh, your coming to know Christ, uh, connect with other believers, uh, try to find those people who, whose um, uh, experience in Christ. Uh, can help you build a foundation 
uh, to stand on yourself. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give our listeners a chance to call right now and join in this meaningful and inspiring conversation. Um, listeners out there, if if uh, there's anything that you know who's listening to the show over time, you know that I invite guests to openly share their challenges, their journey, their inspired choices. And now we want to hear your thoughts on our discussion. So I'm inviting you to call in and let us know your comments or questions. We'd love to hear from you. Call us at one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. That's one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. Um, Lawrence, I love that uh just the picture that you just shared regarding what it looks like when we try to go it alone. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, and to the audience, one of the reasons for this very broadcast is sometimes we can really feel alone at a time where we most need support. Mm-hmm. And that analogy of when a log is placed over by itself, it's not sustained with fire, it goes out. I'm going to hold on to that. I greatly appreciate mm-hmm. that analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're waiting for callers, um, and and I don't mean to hop around a bit, but I do want to have an opportunity to ask, have you had an opportunity to visit the new National Museum of African American History and Culture? Yes. In, in fact, I've been there four times. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm a charter member. And yes. uh, my wife and I, uh, in retirement, that's one of the things that we really uh, get uh, have gotten a lot of pleasure out of. Um, we can relate to so many of the exhibits, uh, mm. especially um, in my from my work in Africa. Uh, mm. Just it's it's just an awesome place. It really is. Isn't it just? Uh... You know, to any of our listeners who have not yet been to the museum, and you're not just if you're here in the Washington, D.C. area, wherever you're listening from, it is worth a trip to Washington, D.C. to get in this museum. Isn't it so well done, Lawrence? Yes, it, 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 and, and it's well done and it's intense. Um, yes. And I think that's the reason for our our multiple visits is that yes it's it's almost as if you can only digest so much mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so we try to we try to move it through it floor by floor and mm-hmm. uh, I think we have an appointment to go back again in March so and I understand they will be putting new exhibits out as well so Yes. That will afford us an opportunity to see some of the newer items that they will be displaying. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm right behind you. We've been three times, and I agree completely that it's an intense experience. It's visceral, and you can only digest so much in one visit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
for listeners who are not here in the Washington, D.C. area, I hope when you plan to come that you will have the opportunity to visit more than once to be able to digest the just the full range of offerings and learnings that you that you can experience there. Mm-hmm. I want to give out the number again in case we have anyone out there who wants to call and join us with a comment or question. Listeners, you can join us by calling one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. We'd ha- we'd be happy to have you join the discussion. Um, Lawrence, being double retired <laughs> as you are, um, what are you enjoying most about this season in your life, would you say? Okay. So several things. Um, <clears throat> I am um, committed to service and volunteering. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm heavily engaged in volunteering, uh, not only for organizations like my fraternity on the Education Foundation Board, uh, mm-hmm. and doing um, volunteer work at other locations, including my church. Uh, but mm-hmm. that, to me, uh, is important to give back where you can, um, and mm-hmm. I will continue to do that. You know, as long as I'm able. I also mm-hmm. enjoy in this season uh, watching our granddaughter grow up. Uh, she is an amazing young lady, and uh, she just turned 14. And uh, just to watch her change is is just fascinating. And, you know, we're just <laughs> prayerful that, you know, life takes her into places and spaces that will continue to help her mature as a young lady as as she grows older. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that I look forward to is I'm kind of a travel-holic, I guess. (laughs) And uh, so uh, when I was out seeing the world or working around the world, Dorothy was uh, raising our children. And Mm -hmm. I was in the house, out of the house a lot. I would... uh, almost literally walk in the front door and drop a bag and pick up a bag on my way out the back door. Uh, Mm. So she got, she grew accustomed to that. But now um, I want her to see some of the things that I've seen and that impacted Mm. me. Um, I was in Israel and uh, went to Jerusalem and the Negev Desert and uh, the Sea of Galilee. And I, I, I told her that's one place that we will will have to get to in the next year or two. It mm-hmm. is such a spiritually uplifting place. Uh, you can feel the divine presence when you walk the streets of Jerusalem in the old city. It's just uh, really. It's just yes, yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. So that's wow. kind of what I'll be up to. Um, and I, I I I'm prayerful that you know my health is is good and that I can continue to give and serve, but also enjoy some of the the, the fruits of this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you've kind of you've kind of answered this already, but I like to ask 
as you look uh, ahead this year, not getting ahead of ourselves, but just as you uh, glance forward into 2017, what do you want more of in your life this year? I'd, I'd like more time. I, if I had more time to do all the things that um, I would like to do, uh, that would be. Is I just I tend to run out of time because mm-hmm. I try. I just I'd like to do so much more than I do. If I could add a have a 25 hour day or a 26 hour day, that would be <laughs> wonderful. I hear you. Even in retirement, you need uh, you need extra time. <laughs> you need extra time. Yes, yes, absolutely. As a matter of, as a matter of fact, in that vein, I understand, um, and many people said it to me before I retired as well, that in retirement it almost uh, becomes even more so because you really start to see all of the things that you want to do and that you feel you can do, but they're still the same twenty four hours. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Limited time. I and yeah. and that I can't change. So <clears throat> I think the uh, I will approach it by uh trying to prioritize and mm-hmm. not spread myself too thin, but uh be as involved and as engaged as I as I can. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Um well, we have not had any callers today uh, so far. Um, I assure you in my travels in the next week, I'll hear people who will tell mm-hmm. me, oh, yeah, I wanted to call in, but I didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But before we, before we wrap up our time, I just want to say this has been such a meaningful and just a beautiful walk as you have shared um, life over over many years, and uh, I think the audience has walked right along with you. Oh, we have a caller who's wanting to join us. It's my favorite caller, as a matter of fact. <laughs> caller, press one, and you're on live with us. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, Lawrence. This is... Um, Linda's favorite caller, her husband. This is Spike Jones. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you today? I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, you know, you, so many of the things that you, you've said I know have echoed not only with, with me, but with so many other listeners who have listened already today and will listen later. I, I'm just um, um, just recalling a lot of the things that you said that, that personally struck me, and, and one of them was when you talked about your, your father and how – you know, he is one of the greatest African-Americans, you know, and, and that struck me as well with my father, who who I lost at the age of 11, but who also who inspired a lot of things in me as a hard worker and teacher. And he was also very fond of math. And I remember, you know, my young, young days, um, you know, he had me working with him you know, when I was in second grade <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, he would teach me a lot of things about math, even at the workplace, uh, mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. your father did with you. And, and thank you folks so much for sharing that and, and, and for bringing that out. You also um, <clears throat> said uh, some things that struck uh, strongly in my heart when you mentioned about diving for those nuggets, too, mm-hmm. because you never know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the things that you will encounter in life and, and be prepared for from the, from the many things that you try to, to grab and, and, and hold on to and learn from. And those things, you know, might come to help you out in, in the future in, in so many ways, and as you mm-hmm. talked about. Thank you so much for sharing those and all. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I, I went to school on, across the way from you over at North Carolina Central. <laughs> Oh, and you were okay. A&T. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> and um, it's, it's great to know another another great Aggie. I, ha- I have mm-hmm. to say that being an Eagle man, I have to say there are so many other great, great uh, folks from the way to school at, at uh, other schools there in, in Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, um, you also probably visited my, my home county, Lenore County, on your travels. Oh, yes, in your, absolutely. In your mm-hmm. agriculture work, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. you also mentioned some of the things uh, that uh, you had to endure, some of the, the quote-unquote hazing that <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we all went through at those times. But, uh, but thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for sharing, and, and thank you for your 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 kindly words, your inspirational spiritual words, and and the point that you made about the a log, you know, burning by itself, you know, mm-hmm. that flame can go mm-hmm. out if you're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, communing with and mm-hmm. and and um, um, just worshiping with other other logs. Um, that that hit home with me quite a mm-hmm. bit today. So thank you very much uh, for mm-hmm. your, your, your your very thoughtful words. Yes, thank, thank you, Coach you Linda. Okay. Thank sure. you, thank you, Hein. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lawrence, there will mm-hmm. be plenty of others who will share being touched by um, what I will call just golden nuggets that you have shared today. Um, mm-hmm. It has been meaning and so impactful, um, right, right from the beginning as you shared your growing up. Um, your core values, I just want to highlight again, listeners out there, to have innovation as a core value. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is so beautiful to the, even the thought of that because the world is changing at such a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. And if we can embrace and hold on to innovation as something positive, not mm-hmm. as something to fear or something to shy away from, um, it enhances and enriches opportunity for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is just been a pleasure, and I wanna I wanna ask if you have any last words of wisdom and encouragement, um, Lawrence, that you'd like to share with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, I I first of all. I, I thank everyone for listening to to I guess a small piece of my story. I <laughs> I I don't know if 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 I ever write a book or put it in print someplace. Uh, but I think do all it, of us do have, it. <laughs> thanks. I have a cheering squad out there. But I I do think that all of us have lived experiences um, that we don't value enough and don't reflect perhaps enough on how they shaped our being in terms of who we are and what we are. Mm -hmm. And I I would just encourage everyone to, um, as you you live and, 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 and walk through daily this life, that that you would take a moment periodically and just reflect on on your past 
because what you learn from your past will certainly influence and and more importantly help you in your future endeavors. Uh, so Amen. I wish everyone God be yeah. We have another caller, um, Lawrence. Before we go, mm-hmm. okay. We have a caller at seven zero three six nine zero prefix. Caller, press one, and you're on live with us. Coach Linda. Yes. This is Eddie. This is Eddie Evans. Hey, oh. Eddie. Thank you for joining us. Well, let me tell you, I have actually been on the entire time. I was on my cell phone, and I've kept looking. Okay. How do I get on? You know, finally, read <laughs> the dial a number. <laughs> but anyway, oh, I just wanted to call okay. and, and make two comments. First, I wanted to thank you for having Mr. Clark on your program. And I'm going to tell you, wow, what a gem. He has mm. a rich mm-hmm. background, valuable experience, and his life lessons are things that we all can can learn from and hold on to. We just got to remember them. This is the kind of thing that you want. Um, this is almost like the, the uh, uh, hidden figures kind of thing where this guy's out there, man, yes. we don't even know it. Yes. So I, I just want to say, Lawrence, I am impressed. I have thank you. Just thank didn't you. have no idea, but thank you for agreeing to participate in this call. And I think that uh, what you've had to share is going to be spread around the world, and, and uh, mm-hmm. we really appreciate it. You know, the other part about it is keeping God in there. I mean, that you know, when you're talking yes. about your, <laughs> the one room uh, mm-hmm. uh, schoolhouse, yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to say, how could they? That, was that first through sixth grade or sixth through twelfth grade? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting classroom, I'm sure. Yes, yes, mm. yeah. yes, it was. But, it but was. I, I did have one question, and I may have missed it. Uh, your immediate family, mm-hmm. you got two or three minutes to share a little bit about your wife and kids yeah. and that mm-hmm. sort of thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, great. my wife, uh, Dorothy, uh, she grew up not far away from me, but uh, my small town of Scotland next, she grew up in a smaller place called Rich Square, she, too, grew up on a farm. We met at North Carolina A&T uh, my sophomore year and her freshman year. And we started dating about, I think it was our junior, her junior year, my senior year. But I, I knew her through most of her college days. Uh, and we were married in 1971. Uh, so we're going on 40-something years. Uh, we have... Uh, Lived all over the world, all over the country, basically. Uh, Arizona uh, lived in Boston, uh, Raleigh, of course, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I even did uh, 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 exile in Portland, Oregon, for almost a year. So we've lived all over. Uh, our children, uh, there are two of them. Our daughter. Uh, well, let me finish with Dorothy. Dorothy is a uh, counselor and social worker. Uh, she did a graduate work mm-hmm. at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, where she uh, did uh, an array of things in, in the social services area as we moved about. Our children, uh, Monica is the oldest. Uh, she's a Howard grad and uh, did her graduate work at Tulane. And, uh, uh, oh, I, it escapes me now. Oh, in uh, uh, medical education and public health. And our son, uh, Darwincy, uh, did his uh, bachelor's degree at Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. 
and did his master's at the University of Chicago in uh, public management. Uh, the kids are grown. Uh, we have one granddaughter, Jordan, who is 14. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> rich living, rich living, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence. Yes. And I love that. Uh, thank you, Eddie, for uh, asking him to say a little more about his uh, immediate family. And deeply, deeply, I'm indebted to you for um, suggesting Lawrence as a guest for the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. That always happens, um, Lawrence. When I mm-hmm. uh, get us in wrap-up mode, then we have uh, <laughs> we have callers. But listeners right. out there. Mm-hmm. I uh, I know this has been an inspiring and beneficial uh, interview. I in, encourage you to share it with others. And, you know, Lawrence, you were saying uh, before our calls about the importance and value of taking the opportunity to look back at our past mm-hmm. and um, the value that can be found in Reflecting on these experiences that shaped our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No doubt they shaped us and uh, they caused us somewhat to become what we are. But more importantly, mm-hmm. I think they can really play a significant role in helping shape us for what's to come. Excellent. Yes. Yes. To also point us forward. Amen. I I can't thank you enough for being my guest today. Um, thank you. I know that what you've shared will encourage all of our listeners, and we pray that it will result in their making inspired choices in their own lives. Uh, do you have a shout-out? Any shout-outs before we close, Lawrence? Uh, just uh, to all the... Um, People of faith, uh, just be encouraged, and uh, no matter what you're going through, um, you know, God's going to take care of you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much um, for your time, for your wisdom, all that you've poured into me and the audience today. Um To our audience, I hope you are ready to combine being prepared with perseverance as your one-two punch for the rest of this year. These two actions can result in your making 2017 a most remarkable year. Women out there who may be struggling with getting a game plan and a vision for 2017, I want to invite you to consider Christian Life Coaching. My clients are getting great results, and I'm happy to schedule a complimentary discovery session with you to give coaching a try. Just go to my website at www.lindastevensjones.com. That's Stevens, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, lindastevensjones.com, and you can schedule a session with me. Lastly, today, my shout-out is to Lonnie Bunch, the executive director, and all of the masterminds behind the scenes and the operators of the amazing 
National Museum of African American History and Culture. As we celebrate African American History Month, we do it uh, just in great applause and appreciation of what you've done. You've captured the incredible contributions of our people over every generation and genre in one place for this and future generations to witness and learn from. We are deeply grateful for your vision, preparation, and perseverance. Ladies and gentlemen, please mark your calendars to be with me for my next broadcast on February 21st right here on Life Coach Radio Network at 12 noon Eastern. My guest will be Dr. Michael Marks, founder of Blazing New Trails Coaching and the president of the Christian Coaches Network International. Until then, be prepared, persevere, and stay blessed.